Hello, my beautiful kings and queens. This is another A Seat at the Table podcast with your host, Lawrence Green. You can follow me at A King Since Birth and follow us on any of your favorite podcast networks. Uh, I am here and I have a special, two special guests with me. Uh, the Elliots, Keej and Trey Elliot. Say hello to the people. What's up? How y'all doing? How y'all doing? <laughs> uh, take a few moments, introduce yourselves, tell them where they can follow you. Okay, well, I'm Trey Elliot. I, <laughs> I am the <laughs> of Keej. Um, you can follow me at man underscore underscore, that's two, of another underscore underscore valor. Um, on Instagram, um, on Facebook, you can follow me at Trey Elliott, but also follow our ministry at The Elliott's Faith. Elliott's with two T's, as my husband so likes to eloquently remind all the people of the nations of the world, <laughs> E-L-L-I-O-T-T-S, Faith, The Elliott's Faith, yeah. underscore. And I'm Keej, of course, um, this lovely gentleman's uh, wife and... Uh, yeah, he said all the good stuff about us, so I, I'm ready to get into the conversation. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> let the Lord, let the Lord proceed. Right. <laughs> oh my goodness, I am so excited for this episode. Um, the Elliots are currently based. Can I say where y'all live? Is that all right? Okay. Uh, currently uh, based out in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting Keej on uh, the Convo with Mo podcast. Uh, make sure you guys go and check that out. She had came and guest. And it was just uh, a beautiful thing for, um, you never know when you meet people of how they're just going to be a blessing in your life. Mm -hmm. Because I remember later that year going to the uh, Transformation Church uh, conference and uh, she was living out there at the time. And, you know, you were just, your hospitality and everything was just so awesome. You were so helpful and just, y'all, and she a preaching somebody. Just you know, follow both of them. They are just blessed people. I remember, and then uh, meeting Trey uh, when we were uh, down at the conference. Y'all, I thought they were brother and sister. <laughs> I don't think they were. They were. They weren't married at this time, y'all. No. And so Shakij was introducing like your brother, and y'all know black people. You know, we be having these half brothers, half sisters because you know they don't look alike. So you know, not thinking like you know that you like that is her brother and sister. Then I get back home, and maybe about six, a few months later, I see congratulations to <laughs> the Elliots, and I said, "What in the Abraham and Sarah is going on up in here?" listen people were so angry like people were genuinely <laughs> angry like i think we might have lost a few friends like they felt like we bamboozled yeah. them like they were they were angry like what i thought you can't uh, they, like we, I'm for sure. I know at least two people off rip that are no longer our friends right, anymore because right. they were. They felt you look so, so much alike. They felt you act so, so much alike. Listen, they they was uh they was white, so that's another reason why they couldn't tell that we wasn't that we wasn't brother and sister. <laughs> <laughs> they were so disrespected, but yeah, we was just best friends. We was just real close. Oh my goodness gracious! And then, oh, uh, and then congratulations to you both. By the way. Thank you. Um, on your on your engagement, on your marriage. It's a beautiful time. Yes. Um, and <laughs> you guys rebranding and because uh, I know you guys are both active as social media influencers. 
um, and then, you know, doing the Elliot's um, YouTube page. And so I, uh, I know both of you in your particular ministries have been very vocal about, you know, sexual promiscuity in your past, mm -hmm. um, you know, keyed in reference to, you know, you go through particularly hard times financially and then uh, having to uh, sleep with men. Um, and I know on your page, you compare it almost to prostitution mm -hmm. and then with Trey, uh, his uh, same sex attraction. And then um, can you guys just briefly just, you know, touch on that just a little bit of like just uh, your testimony pages of that and your sexual passes? Yeah, um, mine was I, I compare it to, but the Lord rebuked me and just told me, like, it's just flat out prostitution, um, having sugar daddies and, you know, going through the motions of just sleeping with men. For it started with, you know, meals and bills, and then it went on to full scale, like paycheck sizes, of, so to speak. And so, um, but it ended up turning a very rough corner very fast when I lived in Atlanta. And I was put into a situation financially that had nothing to do with sugar daddies or anything like that. And um, I needed, I just needed a large amount of money to get out of a legal situation that I had gotten myself in. That had something to do with tickets, nothing to do with anything that I was going through like that. And my landlord at the time, I was renting a room from somewhere in Atlanta because I had just moved there. He didn't know about my lifestyle, but I guess, you know, when the devil is lurking, he'll plant ideas in people's minds about sins that they don't even know that you committed to help you commit something commotion anyways. Um, and so <laughs> he offered to me that because of the financial bind he saw that I was in with having to pay the legal fees, he offered for me to pay him my rent in sexual favors until I could get enough money to be able to pay the legal fees and then start back paying rent again. But when that time came for me to start back paying rent again he basically was like mm, no like I like our situation and I had so much pride in me that I was like I'm not going back home to live with my mama I didn't have a lot of family or a lot of people that I could lean on I was not saved at this time clearly I was working in the secular world and so I felt stuck and paralyzed and so I stayed there but at this point it was maybe about two or three months that went by um maybe like three or four actually that I was at this point being forced to have sex against my will. Now, all the other times I did, um, sugar daddy and prostituting, I started out with some low level prostitution in hotels. This was when back page was hot Craigslist when all that was going on. I started there and then I was like, wait, I could get more money if I have the same customers over and over again that pay more. Anyway, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not giving you a business plan, but um, like I, I, I just started doing it like that. And then this situation arose and I kind of entered into it. But this had been the first time out of all it was maybe about a year, year and a half going on two years that I was living this lifestyle. This is the first time I have ever been forced to have sex against my will. And so I position it to people that like every time I was giving myself away to men who were not my husband, I was getting emotionally like broken a little bit but because of the instant gratification of the money that i was receiving it was overshadowing the emotional brokenness the psychological torment that it was causing but in this moment that i have been forced to have against my will and some of my sugar daddies were starting to be a little they was checking out and they wasn't doing what they usually would do like life should start to get a little rocky in this moment 
all the psychological and the emotional torment that I would have experienced by having sex illegally, spiritually, illegally with all these other men, it hit me all at one moment. And it kind of like collapsed me. And that was my breaking point. And so that was kind of where I just turned to God. And I was like having to smoke weed every day. I was chasing, I was drinking wine for breakfast and then chasing my Hennessy with my wine for lunch, just because I wanted to be so doped up because at any moment he worked from home. So at any moment he could call on me and I would have to be ready to do these sexual favors with him while I lived there. And so, um, I would be doped up and I was just like, God, if this is what life is, then I might as well not live it. And I became suicidal. And so from that moment, um, I'll never forget the day I went to the closet in my room and I prayed a prayer. I didn't know how to pray, but I had listened to this podcast who the preacher taught how to take the Lord's prayer and like turn it into your own words, like just using the components of the prayer as like, I don't know, like an outline for an essay or something. So I went in the closet and I wrote down what he said and I prayed the words I thought matched up and I was like if you get me out of this I'll get out of it and he did it didn't happen immediately but maybe like a few months later he sent a now very well known uh loving hip-hop star Akbar V to rescue me and she came and she let me stay in her house for free she fed me she took me everywhere she went she made sure I was safe she made sure nothing happened to me and she saved my life and um and I've never went back ever since. So yeah. that's my story in a nutshell. God <laughs> 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 is good, man. Amen. 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 And then Trey, tell us a little bit of, um about you. Well, for me, it started off with molestation. Um I don't remember. I don't remember the ages, but I do know from five years old is where I last remember it starting. Um, but uh, being molested by just a family member, and then it went from a family member to a family friend. And then before I knew it, things were happening with incest in the family, and then as well as just uh, friends down the block. You go over the house, hang out, and the next thing you know, this molestation happened, or you just, just caught in that cycle of molestation. So... For me growing up, um, I was always different. I was more different from the other guys. I wasn't like this crazy sports fanatic. I like sports, you know, track, a little bit of basketball, whatever. But I never was like this crazy, you know, sports fanatic. So my family members would say, I'm going to grow up to be gay. My my teachers would tell my mom, he's probably going to grow up to be gay. Just adults all around me will always speak a curse over me, like, you're going to be gay. Um, or called me faggot as, at a young age because I love singing, I love music, I love dancing. And I was just not like your average boy. I wasn't like flamboyant or anything, but I just wasn't this macho, macho guy. So throughout my elementary years, throughout middle school, throughout high school, even though I was popular, I always had an amazing sense of fashion and I was a people per- person. Everyone loved me. But at the same time, I was bullied throughout elementary school, middle school, and high school, um, always having to defend myself, always having to fight. Um, and then that just turned into just me always on defense and go mode, which what we know is I was dealing with a spirit of rejection because everywhere I went, someone would always have to question my identity or question who I am um, as a man. And so um, 
that that carried on even though i was molested i wasn't actually uh doing the acts on my own um but i was very addicted to pornography um at a young age i was exposed to that so i was exposed to, to molestation also exposed pornography at age of five and i was masturbating at an elementary school like like just stuck in addiction from as a young kid from five all the way up to um 24 i was uh just struggling with addiction sex addiction so that 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 went on through college um my my father passed um literally uh my senior year um he passed away and it was devastating um and i just really ran more into i started looking for my dad in men like i started looking for my dad in every any sense of masculinity any sense of a male figure i ran to that but it just opened the door to homosexuality even more. And I was just lost. I was just lost um, trying to find my way. I always knew um, I would pray to God every day, like, God, like, take this from me. Why would you make me like this? Why would you do this to me? I didn't understand. Like, why can't you just make me normal? Like, why did I have to go through these? Why did I have to be molested? Why did I have to have these same sex attractions? Why do I have to be only sexually attracted to guys? Like, why am I like this? And I would cry and I would beg and nothing would happen. And I just began to think that God hated me. So I just continued to rebel, but it was something inside of me. Um, even though my my upbringing is it was a Christian family, even though they didn't always walk it out, my mom is still so much of worship inside of me. So much, um, just a lot, I, I listened to a lot of TD Jakes growing up, and I didn't realize what he was doing to me throughout my life. And I would just uh, worship every time, like I was just I would have sex with a guy, and then I would feel dirty. I'd be in the shower crying just feel just washing myself off and just worshiping and just like begging God to take this. And, um, um, I, my mom, she, she saved me. She came to the Holy spirit. Like was like, you need to go get him from, from Orlando. Um, cause he's wilding out and thank God, cause I don't know where I would have ended up at. Um, but she came, she took me out of college and I went back home. I worked for a while and, um, I ended up falling for uh, one of my best friends. Um, we were not her, not this best friend, <laughs> but uh, a friend that I had known since I was in eighth grade. Um, and we, she, you know, she knew everything but that about me. You know, when she looked at me, she didn't see uh, it's Trey gay, even though she may have heard rumors. It never, she never, it was just, that's my, like, my, my, that's my best friend. So um, somehow we ended up falling for each other and we thought that this was it. And we ended up getting married, but I didn't tell her what I'd been through because I couldn't because Whenever I did share it with a couple people, it backfired and it just really, it took me to a deeper, deeper depression. So I locked it very far, far, far away, deep down inside and never talked about it again. And I thought that this girl was the girl that God brought in my life to, to break these chains off of me. But I didn't realize that the chains couldn't be broken unless I spoke about it and shared it. So I didn't share it with her. Um, there was other reasons why we ended up getting divorced, but mainly... Um, when she found out that um, that I was struggling with these same sex attractions and it all started coming out, um, it was just too much for her to handle. And she looked at me in my eyes and she said, I believe you're gay. And in that moment, something clicked inside of me and I said that you would never be able to see me the way God sees me. So, you know, we ended up, I tried to fight for it, um, but we ended up, it just didn't work out. So I ended up getting a job. Um, um, I, I was already a nurse, but I got a, a, a live-in nurse job and this was God's way of saving me, come, like getting me on lockdown. 
and um, got the job. I started working with this rabbi. And I started traveling with him from New Jersey to Florida for two years. And during that time, I went on my first fast um, with my church, Redeeming Word Christian Center in Fort Lauderdale. And I went on a fast and um, it went from seven days to three months of straight fasting. And in those three months of fasting, God broke everything you can imagine off of me. Um, I no longer had same-sex attraction. Um, it was for a three-month period of time where God broke. I wasn't struggling with pornography. It was like, I just was like this new creature, um, just new. And um, yeah, at that moment, I was like, yes, God, you finally broke it. It took uh, 17 years for you to break it, but you finally broke it. And March 15th, right before my birthday, I got tired of being this good boy and I smoked weed again. The guy had broke uh, addiction to smoking weed, drinking, partying, and sex with homosexuality and with women as well off of me. But March 15th of 2017, I, no, 2018, I was just tired of being a good boy. So I smoked and like a flash, every spirit came right back like a flash. I was driving and I just felt just this crazy lustful urge. And I just went and I went right back spiraling for one month um, back dealing with men again. And then April 15th, 2018, I said, God, I can't do this no more. I can't. Cause and he told me, if you keep doing this, you're not, you choose life or death. And I chose life. I went on another fast and he broke it off of me. And I've been set free since August. I mean, since April 15th, 2018 to now. Um, and we just hit two years of me not watching pornography, not smoking weed, not drinking, um, not having engaged in any homosexuality or having sex before marriage. Um, I kept myself celibate for um, almost two years. God uh, gave me a reward. It would have been two years, April 15th of 2020, but we got married March 14th. So it wasn't two years, but it was almost two years. So I kept myself consecrated that whole time. And this is the outcome of full surrenderance to, to God, you know, and all that. So that's just a quick, as quick as I can make it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, and I think that it's, it's beautiful that like as messy as it seems, how God could just take the messiest of situations mm -hmm. and then just turn around for good. And then the fact that just like how Christ allows both of you to see each other, how he sees you as individuals, as his son and as his daughter. And I, and I think that, that when you said that uh, in reference to your first wife, it's like, she's not able to see me as Christ. I think is is really, I think it rang a bell for me, mm -hmm. just in the sense of just like, on any level, when it comes to, it doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been, yeah. If your significant other, your spouse cannot see you in the same way in which Christ sees you. Now, that's whether you were sleeping with 10 women or you ain't washed the dishes this morning. Yeah. You know, it's just like if you can't have that same level of love and forgiveness and that sense, then yeah, it, it, it's, it's going to cause more issues. Yeah. But um, I want to uh, get into kind of like our particular subject um of talking about you guys' relationship and you know describing some of the struggles and the different things that come along with that um from the past that may arise and so um i know uh trey as you already mentioned that you were married prior um and that you, then you guys were friends for about seven years mm -hmm. um 
you guys are pretty sure you guys are probably open about some of the things that you have been through and that you had gone through. And so my question to you, Trey, is um, can you walk us through, um, I think you, you already touched on uh, your, your first marriage. So what was it like when uh, you guys are now working towards marriage with each other from being work from a friendship to a marriage and then describing um, the struggles of the same sex attraction and um, the relationship and your feelings and your thoughts. Okay. Yeah. So like he was saying, well, I'm not, not sure if you said it yet, but <laughs> um, earlier we were talking, Lawrence, you know, we mentioned that Keej, we were best friends. She did know things. She heard things. We never really confirmed it. But as we both came to Christ fully at the same time, I began slowly but surely telling her, hey, I was molested. And then from the outcome of that molestation, out came me being attracted to men. And it was like a slow process. But now that we were starting to get into a relationship, um, of course, there was some fear of rejection. Even though I know this woman, I know that she sees me the way God sees me and she sees me, she doesn't even think about that when she sees me, which is a rare case. Um, but it was still some fear that, wait a minute, if I say this, if I'm completely honest with her about like, I'm still tempted every day. Um, I'm, I still have to choose to deny my flesh every day. I have to choose to not allow same sex attraction to even come in my mind. I have to shut it down every day. For some people, there, there is a full deliverance. There, and I mean, I am fully delivered, but what I'm saying is there's a full deliverance where you don't even have any of these attractions, where you don't even have any of these thoughts that come to you. There's some people like myself or some people like Jackie Hill Perry, where she has to deny herself every day because um, that's just how that's just how it is. She has to give herself to God every single day to keep to choose life and not choose death. So for me, it was very scary because me telling the woman that I want to marry that, hey, I I, these thoughts still come. I'm still tormented in my dreams. So I have to wake up from my dreams of a same-sex torment dream. And I have to wake up and look ne- look at you, look next to you and, and like really believe that you can handle this. It was really hard. But every time I would talk to her about it, it was like it was never like, wow, I can't handle it. It was, it was always like, oh, that's it? Well, you need to let me know so that we can pray about this. Don't Because for me, whenever I get attacked, I shut down completely shut down because in my mind, I'm like, God, I know you set me free. I've not been back in, for two years now. And it's two years is a long time for someone who was in it for 17 years, you know, but I haven't went back. And how is, how is she supposed, how am I supposed to look at my wife or look at this woman that you said this for me and believe that she can handle all of this. But every time she, she blows me away. She blows me away every time the house open and how just she doesn't it's, she doesn't see gay, bisexual, homosexual. She don't see none of that stuff when she looks at me. She knows that that her husband had a past. She knows what happened to him and what led it to that, but she doesn't see that. And um, it was hard. It was very hard for me to to come to that realization. But she made it so much easier for me to 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 be honest with her. It's days where I'm just like. It's just one of them days I'm just getting hit hard and I, I, I can't even talk about it. But her, just her presence or her just being there, like, it just, it reassures me like God, God brought, he, he, he literally made her keys for me and I for her. So I hope I answered your question. Uh, you did. Okay. And now, Keej, can you talk about 
your your response. I know Trey is talking about how he experienced, but walk us through for you what it was like being able to receive it and then the, your thought process and then being able to affirm or lift him up in a spiritual perspective. Because I feel like for some uh, women, whether it's the wife, whether it's the husband, you know, the spouse, um, being able to receive something from their spouse yeah. and not really knowing what to do or how to do or what to say. Yeah, um, definitely. I, I always lead with Holy Spirit. I'm trying to stop calling him the because he's a person. That's his name. I don't speak. I don't say the Lawrence. So I'm trying to stop speaking the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, but I always lead with Holy Spirit speaking every day that I get up. Like when I gave my life over to him years ago. I, I stopped trying to figure it out then. So people be like, how'd you know how to do this? How'd you do that? I'm like, I, girl, I don't worry about this. I don't do this. Like I let Holy Spirit lead my life because he knows all things. But in those specific moments, I definitely take my time so that I can make sure that my flesh is not the one, my carnal thoughts are not the one making any decisions to speak. Um, but even in like when Trey expressed that like, I think you're supposed to be my wife or or I, God has told me that you're supposed to be my wife or whatever the case may be. Um, in those moments, that wasn't the first thing that I thought about. I thought about that later in like me clearly thinking about it. But when when Trey told me this, we both like didn't talk for like two days after he told me that I was supposed to be his wife. We are both like, okay, well, if this is supposed to happen, we just both need to go away in prayer and then we'll come back. And if God, you know, we both here, then we both here. So in in my time of prayer, um, talking with God, he didn't bring that up. Not once. He never said anything about that. I brought it up. Now I was like, well, God, I mean, hello. Like he was just like, that's not even something we're going to talk about. He like, he just dismissed the conversation for me, which let me know that he had that part handled. I didn't know what it was going to look like when it had to be handled. But the fact that that was one of my issues and not his, it was just like, okay, whatever. Or and not even an issue, but something that I talked about and not him. It was just like, okay, whatever. Like I trust you so much that I know that whatever you put inside of me, if you're not even trying to give me anything for it now, it must have been already set up somewhere, some way, somehow, or you will give it to me in that moment. And so then as we continue to go along and be engaged with one another in conversation and in whatever, in those moments that he would shut down is where I would become like, what is going on? So for me, it was, I had to be, because I can be very strong and I can be very bold and I can be very, um, not, I don't care, but like, I'm that person that's like, if I'm trying to talk to you and you're not talking to me, I will leave you alone and I will go about my merry way. And, I had to learn that that is not a way that he prefers to communicate him as a person, but also in that moment, it is hard for him to speak about it. So I had to be sensitive to that and how even I communicated to him about wanting him to communicate it to me. And so just really being like spirit led and allowing Holy Spirit to help me figure out how to communicate. And in those moments that he did communicate to me, He's like, I remember the first time we were laying on the sofa. He's like, don't look at me while I'm talking about this. Like he, I'm trying to like, I'm laying on his lap. I'm trying to like turn so that I can like look up at him. He's like, no, turn this way. Like, look this way. Like, don't look at me. And I'm like, I want to look at you. Like, why are you talking? But he's like, no, like, this is the first conversation that we really had about it. And it's gotten better over time with him feeling as if he could trust me. But I, as, as, 
as as people of Christ, as followers of Christ, that's what I was trying to get out. We must be careful not to take offense in anything. Christ could have taken offense in so many situations in the world. And because we learned to live like him, we learned that we cannot take offense. So I could have picked up offense and taken it in that moment. Like, why won't you look at me? You won't look at me. Why are you talking to me? But I'm like, okay, you know what? I have to be flexible in how he wants to communicate at this moment. And, and again, looking at him, how Christ looks at him, how God looks at him requires for me to take me out of it. Like Christ mm-hmm. came to the world and saved us when we were still yet sinners. We were still sinning. We were still living this. And Christ came in and did something for us. He put himself in an uncomfortable situation and did not pick up a fence in the midst of him trying to do something that would benefit us. And so again, living like Christ, I had to decide to be put in whatever piece of uncomfortable situation to deny whatever it was that I felt was right. However, was I wanted to do it so that he would be benefited, even if it felt like we should do it this way, or you should just live this way, or this should happen. And so communication was just like the the big key in coming into it. Like, how can I communicate with you properly to let you know that I'm here for you and that I love you and that whatever it is that you do have to say to me, you don't have to feel condemned about saying it. And then after you communicate, I'm always, I'm a, you know, being in business, I'm a, okay, this is our takeaways. Now what are our action steps? I'm always asking How can I, now that you've told me this, how can I do things better or what do I need to do to better accompany you in going through this, getting over this, working? If if it's, if it's just a moment and you just need some time and I just need to leave you alone, like, okay, if I need to go and pray separately from you or like, and just continuously covering that, um, in prayer even when when we're not together or when I'm praying in my own space or whatever. So really allowing my life in that regard to be spirit led, but definitely working so hard to literally strip every mode of what I think is right and just allowing him to do because he's spirit led as well. So whatever he is doing at this moment is oh like it's okay and I have to be okay with that. I can't be like, well you need to talk to me about this or we need to talk right now or why won't you talk to me about this because it can very easily turn into a conversation of condemnation and then the enemy can then come in and cause division between us by making me think things like, oh well he don't want to talk to you about it because he's hiding something. And mm-hmm. now you need to think about this and yada yada yada. So I I had to, I had to strip myself of all expectations. People ask like, what's the, what's the biggest thing I've learned about marriage and being married? And it's managing my expectations with that, but with other things as well, but like managing my expectations of what I expect for him to do and what I expect my response to be. I got to, in certain situations, just let it fall. Like with God, we have our expectations set of how he's going to bless us, what the blessing is going to look like, how we're going to get there. And when he doesn't do it like that, then we feel disrespected or we feel disappointed or whatever about what we thought God was going to do or what our response was going to be to his blessing. And I had to strip that down. And so it made it easier for me to strip it down when it came to managing my expectations with this situation and other situations in our marriage. <sighs> Y'all know Keith is a preacher, somebody has to be over here. 
Oh my God. Well, benediction, y'all. We we gonna end the podcast. It's like, <laughs> oh my God. Yo, like, and it's so like, it's just like so Christ-centered. And it's just like, and that's how like it's just seeing the beauty of the gospel yeah. in in the relationship. And I believe that this was God's true intentions. This is how marriage is supposed to be. Of where we allow Christ to be the center in which the man is loving, um, uh, the man is loving the woman as Christ loves the church. And as equally as the church is um, honoring and submissive to that of the man and, you know, loving and encouraging back. You know what I'm saying? Just the beauty of that. And, oh my God, <laughs> it's just it's so good. But I want. <laughs> To, uh talk about fear of rejection um i know for me um i too have had um same sex attraction um being molested at a young age and then um having uh it wasn't even a relationship i would call it a, a situationship mm-hmm. um and so just having a poor um uh experience with relationships yeah. I mean, I feel like either gay, straight, bisexual, either way, whatever, you know, relationships can still be trash. And, mm-hmm. I mean, you still, like, regardless of who it is, yeah. you, you know, you still don't know how to effectively communicate. You still don't know how to effectively um, partnership with somebody and walk with them in relationship. And so I felt like um, it was a struggle now that, you know, when I first, I remember first coming to Christ and, and letting it go. I felt like, okay, so I need to get married to as that that's like the ultimate of my um deliverance if I get married. Yeah. And then I had to and then I got a hold of a, a, a Jackie Hill <laughs> but now now known as Jackie Hill Perry, yeah. but um uh just letting just kinda letting me know that deliverance was a faith based thing. Mm-hmm. And um, although that I have been delivered and been set free by Christ Jesus from what he did on the cross, not by what any actions that I did. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was delivered before, you know, but it was just like my faith lining up to that. Yeah. And understanding that I'm, it's okay that I get tempted just because I'm tempted. Don't mean that's who I am. It's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so now it was like, okay, growing more in Christ. Mm-hmm. And it was like um, still feeling shame and condemnation about what I did, and I think a lot of that came from watching television shows. Yeah, because our because I think the the current uh, climate is like this this view of um, men who are same sex attracted, and then they get with women are on the down low, or they're cheating, or they're unhonest, or they're unintegral. Yeah. You know? Or, you know, they just need to embrace who they are or embrace their truth or, um, you know, and just all these different things. And so um, I even struggle now, even with dating. I remember there was this one time, there's one girl I liked and I just told her my whole entire testimony. The first day of meeting her, she's just like, (laughs) (laughs) because it's like. I, I, I was like, I need you to know now before I even go forward in relationship and be with you for six months, only for me to express um, what has happened to me or ex- express what I um, have experienced, and then for you to just leave me. Yeah, yeah. that ain't happening. I, I can't. I can't. I I'd rather you hurt me now, and the it don't ever even get start. I'd rather sabotage it now. Yeah. 
before we get down the road and you're upset with me later because of of my past that is honestly no longer with me but then trying to explain that you know there's still a struggle and so it's just like if you're struggling why don't you just go on and do it no i know what it's just like i know what the spirit told me i know what i when i had that experience with god in my basement and he told me you know do you love this more or do you love me more and i had to decision of whether or not I was going to let the situation ship go, even though it felt like love for the first time, even though feeling rejected by females before and not having a relationship in high school, you know, I, this is supposed to be about y'all, but somehow my testimony coming out, but, um, you know, and it's just like um, running into that. And it was just like finally getting love, finally feeling wanted, finally having sex. And so it's just like, being stimulated in all these different ways but love that wasn't love yeah and so um not the fact that it was a homosexual relationship it just wasn't love period you know what i'm saying um regardless of whether or not the the how you feel about the morality of homosexuality yeah um that's good and so um i I want you guys to speak on that. And then I want to talk about a particular recent event, the Love is Blind series on Netflix. There was a couple, um, Carlton and Diamond. And how the show works is that you you can't see them. You can't have any kind of um, relation or something with them. and Or not relation, but like you just can't interact with them besides just uh, talking um, through like Messenger or whatever. And okay. so they end up matching. And then the only way that you can finally see each other if somebody proposes and, you know, you know, replies, yes, I want to get engaged to this person. So now they have made it all the way up to the point where now they're able to see each other. And so um, Carlton. Okay. I ain't so, that work all the way. <laughs> and so now this is his now fiance on the yeah. whole scheme of the, the, the show. And now they're able to even see each other. And now he has to express about his um, uh, same sex or bisexual past. And she's asking him questions about it. And he's like um, very triggered, very um, nasty in his response. And so because he begins to lash out, she equally lashes out back. And so then the engagement is off. And then so, you know, the the video goes viral and people are really, you know, coming for um, mainly him, but for by the way that he he lashed, he lashed out on her. And um, some people were coming for her for not being. And so it was just like at the end of it, he was just like, you know, he's like crying and stuff. And he's just like, you know, I would have loved to be sitting like the rest of all the other married people. And I'm sad that it didn't work out. But um, I think with stuff like this, when stuff like this goes viral, it's hard to be mad at the person that everybody else is mad about when you relate to the toxic person in the video. Mm, Yeah, I see that. And so it was just like, I fully understood where he was coming from when you fear um, that rejection. You're in the moment where you finally are able, you you can be with somebody who might just love me. Yeah. And um, for all of me. Mm -hmm. And this part of me that I want to hide um, and express it. And at any sign of rejection, you kind of pull back. 
Yeah. And I think um, it was something that, you know, maybe he had not fully done his homework with. It was something that, you know, suppressed to the side. And yeah. so asking at, well within her right to ask him questions about it. Yeah. You know, and then him being able to, you know, him just lashing out and then both of them just just domino effect and then for her it was a red flag that i'm like you you out here getting out of control calling me out my name and all this other stuff but i don't think it really anything he was mad at her but really within himself and so uh trey my question to you is what is your advice to to christian men um who have been led by the spirit to no longer entertain same-sex relations and pursue dating women but fear being rejected for their past well, before I even go deeper in that, something that Keith said, she said when I first was when I first was able to express my whole journey of what I've been through, I couldn't even look at her. Mm. And she was just like, look at me, you know, just talk to me about it. It wasn't like a look at me. It was like, it's okay, you can look at me. But it really brought tears to my eyes. I didn't even know, but over here I was kinda of choked up thinking about like I didn't even remember that, that I was so afraid to share my full testimony with her. And I couldn't even look at her, look her in her eyes. Like that, that actually really broke my heart all over again to think of how afraid I was to think that me saying all this, she's gonna now look at me differently. So my my response to Christian men who are, or even if you're not even Christian, but of course mainly Christian men, but even if you're not Christian or whatever era you're in, but you you know that this is not a lifestyle that you want to live, I would just encourage you to. First of all, get healing for yourself first. Um, I would have not been the man. I got to a place that if Keys left me after I shared my testimony, I was all right. Because I knew where God took me from. I knew who I was in God. And I knew that even if she chose to love me or not, I knew a God that delivered me and a God who loves me for eternity. So no matter what, if she chose to walk away because she couldn't handle it, I was all going to be all right. So I, I think before you get to a place where you feel led to share your testimony, because not everybody can handle your testimony. That's why the rejection that I went through in my life, I buried my testimony so deep. One, the enemy knew that if I shared my testimony, how many people would be set free. So I was tormented with being silent. But that's what ran me to not share it because of that rejection. But the thing is, I was trying to share it, but not, but not healed. So I would just say, the important thing for you to do is get your healing first. Fall in love with God. Follow it yourself. And when you do that, God is going to, I mean, God can do however order he wants to do it. Yeah. But what helped me was falling in love with God and, and receiving his love for me. The difference was that God always loved me. He walked with me every step of the way. But I thought that God hated me. I thought that that I would never be with, that I would never get a, I would, I, I would say what woman would want to love a man that struggles with homosexuality. And I would literally my prayer closet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would say what woman would, would, would love me. And it was because I was not receiving God's love. And when I began to receive God's love, it just really came. And it just, I was able to, to be transformed and get the healing. And I still have healing. There's still some healing that's going on. It doesn't just stop. It's some more healing that I have to get done. But it was enough healing to take me out of that lifestyle. So what I would say to Christian man and any man that's watching that is struggling with homosexuality that wants to live a, it's not even about being straight, but getting away from that sin. Because I focus so much on God, make me straight, make me straight, make me straight, that God was like, 
no, I don't even, if you just come to me, I don't even care about this homosexuality thing. Of course I care about it, Trey. I love you, but I just want your heart. When I gave my heart to God, it was like he was able to do something inside of me. So what I would say to Christian man is first love, fall in love with God, figure out and learn how to receive his love and then get your healing from it. And even if you you share it, get comfortable with sharing your testimony. Um, I know it's not hard. I know it's hard, but get comfortable with sharing your testimony, even if it's with God, even if it's with a friend, and get to the place that you there is freedom in your testimony. Yeah, that's you we overcome. What's the debate? We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word, word of testimony. testimony. Exactly. So we overcome, and by sharing my testimony, I get free every time. Every time I share my testimony, I get more and more free. So Amen. this conversation right now is freeing me even more. The enemy doesn't want you to share it. He wants you to be quiet. So. When rejection mm-hmm. and rejection is, is is attached to fear, so if you so when rejection creeps in, fear comes at, at, alongside because that's one of his cousins, and as you just shut down and you 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 can either fight or flight and create me. I guess the guy name is Clarence, right? In the Love Is Blind series. So what, what happened with him? And what's funny is that my rejection came up as I watched the video. To be very transparent. My rejection came up as I watched the video, and immediately I said, "Well, I resonate with Diamond very well, even though I was I was Clarence uh, four about what, three and a half four years ago. I was Clarence when I was sharing with my ex wife my situation because I, the difference is she knew me all my life and I never confessed to her that I was in a homosexual relationship. But I immediately resonated with Diamond because I was like, well." You know, he should have told her. I didn't know the whole dynamic of the show. But I was like, well, maybe he should have told her off jump. Because I went back into my cave, like, only if I would have told told my ex-wife uh, that I was struggling with this, maybe things would have went different. Not saying I would be with her, but maybe I wouldn't cause so much hurt or so much damage. So immediately I let fear and rejection of watching that video with Keege. Um, I thought that like, I need to be on her side. And here I came in. No. Right. She was, I was right. <laughs> but, but, um. Here I am on Diamond Side, like, well, I understand because that's the experience I had. I got the lash out. You know, I got the conversation. Her stuff was already packed. I woke up that morning. She said, let's go for a drive and go for a walk. She woke up early that morning and packed all her stuff up. And we in the car, when she told me, like, this is stuff I found out. I believe this is who you are. And that was that. And I went through such a rejection from her father, from her family. Which I understand. That's your daughter. So I can't, like I said, I can't, I can't act like what I did was was perfect or whatever like that. But I got called so many names, voicemails left to my phone of how gay I am and how much like it was so heartbreaking. Like I, it sent me through a deep dark depression. Um, but I don't want that to be for a guy who's watching this or who may hear this. I want yeah. you to understand that. Even when rejection comes, or even because people are still gonna ridicule you, it's harder for the guy because a girl can go from being a lesbian and go straight, and that's nothing happens. But when a guy is was once a home, was living a bisexual homosexual lifestyle, he's forever gay, even when he comes out of it. Yeah. So it is tough. But what I would Definitely. say to you is, love God, love God with all your heart, love yourself the way that God loves you, so that when the rejection comes, okay. Yeah. So I would like to say something to the women, um, to the sisters <laughs> out there um, of the Lord. But um, I definitely I agree with everything that Trey has said um, on that for sure. So I'm not coming back to like refute it. But I think that women also no. 
let me change the way I want to start my statement. Really back in. The church needs to do a better job at addressing this, at talking about it, and also having moments of transparency about toxic masculinity. I think the reason that this is so hard for it to be a, a, a man coming to a woman saying this versus a woman coming to a man saying this is because in the world, toxic masculinity is a real thing. So for a woman to hear this, it is not Explain that. Toxic masculinity. Okay, toxic masculinity is the phenomena psychologically that men are supposed to be quote unquote macho or they're supposed to be these over providers or they're supposed to be tough and they're not supposed to show their feelings and they're supposed to have this and that. That is what toxic masculinity. It is a psychological phenomena that uh, most of the world has adapted, that men are supposed to be a certain way. I don't know what it's called for a woman, but the opposite for a woman is that she's supposed to be a housewife and cook and clean and be quiet and sit with her legs folded, which I don't sit in a chair like that at all. <laughs> Different things like that. And so um, I believe that the, the culture of toxic masculinity teaches us that if a man has done this, he is less than a man. And so I think most of the time, the things that are, are an issue with it in our day and age is that women already have a lot of issues with submission. The enemy has done a great anti-submission campaign. Women should be stronger, equal women's rights. I'm not saying that women, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not negating none of that. So don't, don't come on my Instagram. Don't <laughs> email me with none of that. I'm not saying none of that. I'm just saying that the enemy has worked really hard to make women feel like we need to be so strong and we need to do this and we need to do that, that we're not submissive. That, oh, I don't need a man to pay my bills. I don't need a man to do this for me. You don't, but you need to understand submission. So because of the anti-submissiveness that a lot of women have adapted when they hear something that seems as if it's a lack of masculinity because of their view of toxic masculinity it immediately turns them off that this man is not enough of a man that i can submit to regardless mm -hmm. they already have an issue with submission because of the way the world teaches us to view it as women and you come in not you or you, I'm just saying a man that may be opening up about this will come in and say something that decreases what we feel based on toxic masculinity for you to be a strong enough man to lead us. And that takes us, it just, it just shifts something so hard in our viewpoint. So for women, I would say working on what you view toxic masculinity as and how you can rip that out of your mind from from jump you need to do this before you get with any man you need to work on what your view of toxic masculinity is and how you can not adapt that into your everyday culture decision making and then also work on your submission i believe the reason that it was so much easier for me to walk with trey with uh through this process in the beginning of our marriage even before we had that initial conversation is because immediately after god opened up our eyes that we were supposed to be married that was the first thing god started working on me he made me start submitting to trade with little things like where are we going to eat and what route we're taking to go to this restaurant and what service at church we're going to today like he made me like he'd be like nope don't you tell him what you want like, <laughs> <laughs> like I want to go to this restaurant. Trey want to go to that restaurant. We still have this happen so much. Like we don't be wanting the same things. But I'd be like, no, baby, you do what you want. You make that decision. I have. To, I had to be submissive so that anything that came 
after that, it was not like an add on to what I might be expecting his masculinity to be so that I can respect it. And so I would say to the women, I I don't know how many women will listen to this that may end up in the same situation, but you need to work on your submissiveness now. Work on what your view of toxic masculinity is now, because that can help you whether you're in a situation like Trey and I, or whether you're in a regular marriage with um, a man that has not struggled with same-sex attraction. You need those things regardless. And so, but I would say those are precursors to being able to walk through this and not reject them. And even if it's something that you feel like, I don't know if I can handle this, or I don't know if I could deal with this. If you're not saved, I don't know if I have the best answer for you, but if you are saved, you need to walk with Christ about how you communicate. I love how Jesus talked to people in the Bible. Pharisees asked him a question. He asked the question right back. Like how you answer a question with a question, but Jesus worked on his communication so well with even how he taught the disciples, how he taught people speaking in parables and all this different kind of stuff. So we can take a lot of instances from the patient. <laughs> Jesus said, do y'all not, y'all still don't get it. Y'all still don't understand that I am the Messiah, but I love y'all and I'm gonna still work with y'all. And y'all still gonna be my disciples. I'm not gonna dismiss y'all. Like Jesus has so much patience in his communication. And as women, we must have patience. And again, and most of the things that I'm saying need to be worked on in any marriage. But since we're speaking of this specifically, I know that's something that needs to be covered. You must be patient and you must communicate properly. Even we are learning this still to this day. Over communication is still good communication in situations like this. Like saying more than you think needs to be said is probably the best result because I can say, I don't know how I feel. I respect you saying this, yada, yada, yada. And and the way that I say it and how I over communicate cannot result in fear or rejection to him, but I'm still being transparent about how it is that I feel. Again, I love Trey so much that that didn't matter because we have been best friends for so long. So that never even crossed my mind on like me not being able to handle it. I just wanted to make sure with God that I was, I was able to properly undergird him spiritually in the way that I needed to be undergirding of him. And even we said this on a, um, on something else that we spoke on and I want to bring it back up. Like God, Trey had to learn how to love God so much that whatever he did did not deter him from understanding just how much God loved him. And I had to do the same. So when we came together, because Trey loved God in a mirror of how God loved Trey, and I love God in a mirror of how God loved Keej, when we came together and we just put those two mirrors together, we just still only both saw saw God love, God's love. Mm -hmm. And again, that can go for this situation or any type of marriage with anything that's going on. Trey loved God so much it was a mirror image. I love God so much it was a mirror image. And when you put the two mirrors together, all you saw was mirrors reflecting mirrors of God's love. And that is very important. And what I would say for any man that that has to come to this place, Lawrence, I totally understand your situation. Feeling like I don't want to get hurt by you. So let me just tell you out the gate. But I will say that even for the most saved and most Christian woman, that can be very heavy out of the gate because what you're essentially asking her to carry in the beginning before she even knows if she wants to like you even a little bit what you're asking her to carry is this not emotional stress 
not emotional package, but you're asking her to carry something that may be not too heavy for her to handle in the future, but it may be too heavy for her to handle right now. Because she's not equipped to understand it at the moment. And she's not equipped to understand who you are Mm -hmm. as a person. Mm -hmm. I think there are levels and layers of understanding of people that as you get to know them more, I call it relational equity. As as your, your relational equity is built with a person, then you know when you first meet a person, you're like, okay, they're doing something I don't like, but I'm not gonna tell them. As they begin to grow in your friend, then you can be like, girl, you know, you you know that thing you do? I do not like it when you do that. You can be very like a lot more raw with them because the relational equity has been built. Now the timeline, I think. I don't think that it should be a year, three years, whatever that, you know, I think it should be maybe like a three to six month. If you guys are talking and dating consistently outside of that or friending. And I uh, let's let's even address this. We done created this word talking in the world. What in the Sam Hill is talking? There is friending. There is dating. There is intent or no, there is friending. There is intentional friending. There is dating. There is intentional dating. And then there's engagement and then there's marriage. So I think in friending, it's, it's, it's not really, it's not necessary. Or I think it might be overwhelming acceptingly to tell then intentional friending, I think is when it needs to come out because intentional friending, we are intentionally friending with regards to dating. So now that we are intentionally friending, Okay, let's have this. And counseling is so important. Even at the moment we decide we're going to be intentionally friending. Okay, so these are some things that I kind of want to talk about. Yada, yada, yada. Whenever we start dating, we need to start counseling. Marriage counseling, premarital counseling. I think that it needs to come before date. It needs to come before engagement. Like it needs to come before that because there are things that need to be unpacked in the multitude of counsel before engagement even gets there. And we've been meeting a couple people who have actually done that. And I think it is very, very, very healthy to have that space in a Christian space as well. So I would say, Lawrence, I totally understand your viewpoint. Like, let me go ahead and rip the bandaid off before, you know, it even comes to a a place where it, it, you know, but I think that that can be, how can I put it? I think that can be an irresponsible use of communication for you Mm -hmm. to, to, to unpack that on someone. as As Christians be spirit led. Yeah. Knowing when to speak about it. Yeah. And, and the enemy will, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say one more thing, and then I know you got to probably ask another question, but the enemy will use that. The prayer that I used to say, Lord, the woman that's for me, let her be able to accept my testimony. I used that prayer, and it came. The enemy heard that prayer, and another girl came that I shared my testimony with, and she was so opening and accepting to that and was like, oh, I don't care about that. I I, I don't see you for you, da 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 And I thought that she was the one. Before I even started talking to Keech, I was, um, you know, with the intentional dating i guess or whatever i was doing um but she was not the one so so the enemy sent a replica of what my prayer was so it just being spirit led and and it wasn't that god didn't tell me not to share my testimony because he wanted he wanted me to share my testimony so that i can know that one that i can share my testimony with any woman and he would still provide the woman that's that's supposed to be for me. Mm-hmm. So I would just say, just be definitely be spirit led. And to wrap up the rejection thing, when you're honest with yourself, men, Christian men, when you're honest with where you're at and who you are and what you're struggling with, 
Well, you can be honest with that. That breaks so much. That breaks the rejection because no matter what someone says, or no matter what you've been through, when you know who you are in Christ, yeah. let me say that. When you know who you are in Christ, not yeah. in who you are as in Trey, mm-hmm. who Trey knows as who, like, as I know, no, as yeah. I know who I am in Christ, yeah. no rejection is going to stop me. Rejection may creep up and crawl in and it may, it may, it may touch me, but it's not going to attach itself to me because I know who I am in Christ. So as quick as it comes, as quick as it goes, because I know who I am. So being honest with who you are oh, and where you're at, yeah. don't, 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 uh, Give yourself too much uh, unrealistic expectation yeah. because you allow rejection to come in because that's the expectation that God never told you to have. Yeah. You can't expect every woman that you meet to be able to deal with what you have. You can't just be like, just because I'm being honest, you're supposed to receive it. No, yeah. that person may not receive it. A person may not be equipped to handle your testimony. Yeah. That's why you have to be led by the spirit. Thank God that Keith was the person, even though the girl, I'm not saying the other girl that I was dating was not able to handle it. Well, she was not able to handle it because she wasn't the, the gatekeeper of my purpose. She wasn't who God placed my purpose inside to mesh with. So mm-hmm. you have to just be you have to just be spirit led. That's yeah. why I would say be honest with where you're at. Do not expect every person that you share your testimony with the per is supposed to be the person that you're supposed to share it with or the person that's gonna come and be your knight shining armor. You do not have to get married to be set free from, from homosexuality. That is a false expectation. You don't have to date a girl, have sex with a girl to no longer be attracted, attracted to men. Yeah. No, the only way that I was no longer attracted to men and same attraction still creeps up, but I have to deny myself every single day. But the only reason why I'm able to do that is because I love God more than I love a homosexual lifestyle or a bisexual lifestyle. And that's what keeps me. So that's what I would say. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you guys both for coming on and and just breaking it all the way down. Okay. It's, I wanted to piggyback on um, was just discussing the fact about fear. And I think about that scripture that there is no fear in perfect love. Um, and so just having that understanding of just like when you are so much so delighted in Christ Jesus, you don't really have to worry about what anybody else um, feels about anybody else's opinion about or speculation about what it is that God is doing in you when you are fully surrounded in his love. And then you talked about, yeah. you know, being comfortable telling your testimony. And I believe that is so true because it's like the enemy doesn't want you to tell the testimony, but that is the good news. That is the gospel. That is the story yeah. in which your Egypt story, it, it, it would be foolish for you to shut that part of it up because that's the part that gets brings people in the good news. It's almost like the um baby who um he met at the well and he and she went and told everybody in the town, be like, Come see a man that I met. It it, it wasn't mm-hmm. that she went over there and was just like, Well, I can't tell her because you know I used to have five husbands and the one I'm with now is not with me, you know. But it was just like, No, I I gotta tell my story because it's how he changed me. And then so important yeah. with all being spirit led. Um, yeah. uh, this has been another episode of A Seat at the Table podcast. Um, I'm going to have you guys say your last words where they can follow you in any shameless plugs that you have. Yes. Um, my last word would be that if you 
enter into a relationship and you let um, a woman know and she's accepting and you guys move forward um, to just be extremely prayerful and to um, also really talk about sex before you get married if you decide to get married to this woman um especially i mean i don't know how many situations will end up with a bedroom like ours where i was a prostitute and he lived a same-sex attraction lifestyle but having sex is a spiritual thing when you get married you need to have a lot of sex and that was something that we had to work through and overcome because of it um making sure that certain things things didn't creep into our bedroom, yeah. making sure certain things were not um, being held against us. You know, mm-hmm. Trey would, Trey makes jokes about it or says it sometimes, but he'd be praying while we're having sex mm-hmm. or praying before or after mm-hmm. we have sex. And there have been times where I have broke down in tears while we are having sex. And yeah. so because it is a spiritual experience, still the enemy may try to creep in and cause mm-hmm. certain things to happen or division yeah. um, in your sexual lifestyle after mm-hmm. you get married so i just want to encourage everyone that we had so many conversations about sex before we got married we were pure we did not have sex we did not fondle with each other we didn't do any oral no Mm -hmm. anything like that before we got married but we did have conversations. How do you like sex? What has been your some of some of your sexual experiences? So I would just encourage that like don't and I had to even open Trey's eyes to the fact that like sex is not bad. The enemy tried to make him feel like even when we would, you know, be cuddling and it would get like a little bit heated, he would have a dream. And I'll be like, well, when we have sex after we get married, if you have a dream, like you can't think that because we're having sex that caused your dream, like because now we're married. And so there would just be we just had to have conversations about it and just not give the enemy any foothold, because yeah. when you get married and Lawrence, you will get married right. and any other man that is listening to this, you will get married when you get married. Do not be afraid or do not shy away from having conversations about sex and having sex yeah. with your wife unashamedly in an undefiled bed yeah. because that is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And just to add, add on that a little bit because I know some men is like, well, how do I go from being with a man? And some people have straight only be with men. I was with guys and girls, but when you go from being with a man or whatever of, of sort, you're like, how do, how does that happen in the bedroom? Like, how am I supposed to be engaged with my wife? There's like, we have to remember that you're when, when we start having sex, the Holy Spirit, and I had to talk to another friend that was good to have a community of people who've been set free. But I had a friend that was just like, man, like, my, I had to realize that my body remembered that feeling of sex. So when the minute we started having sex, it was like, oh, I remember this. So being that, because homosexuality can be traumatic, can be, um, it's just, it, it's, it is, it can be a traumatic experience. And so for me, having sex and my body feeling that, I immediately had flashes or of memorizations of past of sexual encounters that I had with other people. And that was tough as a male having sex with his wife. And then I get a quick flashback of the past. It's like, it was hard. So I would say be, have grace with yourself. Know that God is still unraveling and removing those layers. And just because you have like a flashback or a memory, it's not about you. It's just your body remembers your, our body is very God built our a body very uh creative yeah particularly and create very creatively like because if 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 i pinch keys keys gonna get a memory that her mom used to pinch her you know what i mean so it's just like have grace on yourself and i just want to finish and with talk this. to your wife and talk to your wife Please about talk. it immediately i Please i struggle talk. sometimes with shutting down but 
I'm learning day and day to tell her like, babe, like, look, I got a flash and not be ashamed of that. Um, because it's not, I can't, I can't help it. The enemy's just going to use that. He knows the calling that's on our lives on all of you guys' lives who's listening to this. He knows yeah. the calling, he knows the purpose of you. And he knows that whatever he can do to taunt you, he would do it. Yeah. But that's why God's perfect love, it casts out all that fear. But mm-hmm. I would say something that my wife said, she said, when she came to God about the situation about my past or same-sex attraction, he didn't mention it not one time to her. I just want to just want to bring that back up, show you guys that God is not focusing on what you're struggling with. He just wants your heart. He sees something that that you don't see about yourself. Mm-hmm. So I just loved when she said that, and it, it brought tears to my eyes. I didn't even know that she had a conversation with God, and God loves me so much. He didn't even bring that up. Mm-hmm. So we love you guys, babe. Go ahead and tell them where they can follow us at. Yes, at the Elliots again. Elliots with two T's. Don't forget the second T. Faith. Don't you know? I got an attitude. Yes. The Elliots <laughs> Faith on Instagram, yeah. on YouTube. We will be coming with a full like rebranded launch where we will be having um a series that I don't know if you have the title of it yet, but it's Exodus. Oh, Exodus. Okay, mm-hmm. touche. Where we'll be kind of be talking about transitions and transitioning with God through certain things where we'll be doing a lot of teaching, a lot of discipleship tools will be brought forth as well. In the meantime, in between time, you can head over to the link in the Elliot's Faith bio and get one or two of my published titles. The first one is called Release and Unconventional Healing. And it just speaks about a very transparent um, account of my healing from prostitution, from cursing, from smoking weed, from so many things. Then I give you some steps at the end, how you can get your own release and your own healing. And then the second title is uh, called Confidence in Christ. It's a 21-day devotional. I sell them in a bundle as well as selling them um, separately because I feel like once you get healing, God breaks some things down and he helps you humble yourself. But then you need to build your confidence back up so you can go out and fight and build and push for somebody else to get their own healing. And so that's kind of what the second book does. It's a 21-day devotional that's very interactive and it has journaling space. And um yeah, we thank you so much. Oh, if you would like to sow a seed into our ministry at all outside of purchasing the books, you can do so at Cash App dollar sign K E E G E S. And um, yeah, thank you so much, Lawrence, yeah, for you, having Lawrence. us here in your space. I just want to say a quick prayer over every single man, woman, yeah. child, boy, and girl that is listening to this podcast, that has yeah. listened all the way through. And I just want to speak a word of encouragement into you. Lord, don't let me cry. I'm trying to be a thug. Like, I'm, I cry when I get into the presence of God and pray because I feel God's heart for whoever it is that is listening to this, yeah. that has given up on trying to find a woman, trying to find a wife, trying to find yeah. a girlfriend, because they feel like they will never find someone that accepts them and lo and behold allow the Elliot to be an example of to you of what God can do when you truly surrender your expectations when you truly surrender um, your heart to him and allow for him to love you the Lord does not judge you he does not the Bible says that um love keeps no record of wrong and God's love keeps no record of your wrong so you can go to him boldly you can go to him in faith and you can walk towards a beautiful future that God already has planned out for you predestined before you were formed in your in your mother's womb to be able to open up a new love with a woman in a um 
a regularly, uh, I don't know what the word is, sex attracted on um, relationship. And so God, I thank you that their hearts are open, that they hear you today, that they understand your love for them a little bit more than they did yesterday, a little bit more than they did before listening to this podcast. And they will not turn a deaf ear. And we speak to every enemy in hell and we cast you out. And we say that you must leave every enemy of fear, every enemy of rejection, every en- enemy of doubt, every enemy of disobedience, every enemy of worry, every enemy of double-mindedness that may try to remind them of those, those old things and may try to let tell them that their shackles are still there. But I came to let you know by the spirit of the living God, by the order of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, those are imaginary shackles that the enemy has created a mirage for you to see. You are not chained to homosexuality. You are not chained to same-sex attraction. You are not chained to anything of the past. And if you're a woman, you are not chained to prostitution. You are not chained to um, insufficiency and inadequacy where you must sell your own body that belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ in order to receive provision. No, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are set free. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are delivered. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are open to be able to experience an abundance of the blessing that the Lord, your God, that the Lord Yahweh, that the Lord Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Sitkanu, who is your victory in every victory you must win has already decided, has already granted you the key, has already opened up your eyes, your ears, all your physical senses to experience a newness, to experience a place of being able to walk boldly, strongly into the glorious future that he has planned for you. So devil, your little petty behind, need to sit down somewhere. Whoever is listening to this that needs this prayer, I thank you, Lord, that you are coming into their room, that your angels are camping about them to provide comfort. Holy Spirit, that you are speaking wisdom, that you are speaking gratitude, that you are speaking affirmations into their life every single day, not just when they're listening to this prayer, but every single day that will remind them of the goodness of God, of the faithfulness of God, and of the love that he has for them. So they have no fear, no doubt, and no worry about what it is that he has planned for their future and what it is that their deliverance and their freedom um, equates to in their lives today. It is in Jesus' name that we seal this this prayer. It is in Jesus' blood that we remind ourselves that we are covered and that we are set free. And it is in Jesus' name that we decree and declare everything that has been spoken against the enemies that it will come to pass and it will not return. Amen, amen, and amen. Hallelujah, God. Thank you, Lord. And it is so. And it is so. I love you both with my whole heart. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on. This has been another A Seat at the Table podcast with your host, Lawrence Green. You can follow me at A King Since Birth on Instagram, Lawrence Green on Facebook. Um, And don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, share with somebody, tell somebody. And... Shine bright, you hold your light. God bless you. Yeah. Peace.